Uncharted, released February 18th, 2022. The latest attempt by those purveyors of PlayStation to make a video game movie. I'm Del Avento. I'm Nick Nundall. And this is Attract Mode. Uncharted, Nick. Uncharted. D-charted. You got a chart? Throw it away. Yeah. We're, we're watching this movie now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm very curious to know your thoughts on this film in particular because I came into this as the only person in the world who hasn't played or <laughs> you know, cared Consumed. about the uncharted games in any way yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah my my experience with the uncharted games is weird because uh as i've said numerous times over the course of having my face in front of a microphone i have the playstation 4 was the first playstation i ever owned so uncharted started like beginning of the ps3 era mm. with uncharted one and then he had two and three also on ps3 and then they took a break and did like last of us and then they came back with uncharted four a thief's end on ps4 and then they got like another one that's like kind of like a spinoff featuring like i don't know if calling them the femme fatales of the uncharted series is a correct moniker but the uh the female leads um, gotcha. or some of the female leads of they have the lost legacy which is like their own game um so i have consumed all of the uncharted games via giant youtube let's play uh-huh. <laughs> videos uh-huh. you know that's the same thing as playing them these days i think that's fine it, it definitely for a naughty dog game in some cases because yeah. naughty dog games yeah. can very much be kind of corridor shooters lots of cutscenes. um which makes them great to just watch them passively. Um, so yeah, I I have experienced all the Uncharted games at least once, and I've played a little bit of four because I think that came with my PS4 and I bought it or something like that. Okay. So which game is this most tied to? Is this <laughs> the fir- all of them? Ah. Actually, I would say it's most tied to three and four. Okay. Um, Interesting. I would have thought one or maybe it's even a prequel to one or something given no um, it feels very originy yeah it is but it's definitely it's doing its own thing um because the thing about uncharted or at least for most of them uh which is interesting i don't do it here uh the first three uncharted games are very much in the Indiana Jones model of, and they're all Indiana Jones, right? But yeah, right. even more specifically, the first two um, are deal with some sort of mystical relic that has supernatural powers. And then the third one is kind of semi-mystical, not really. And then the fourth one is in no way mystical. It's, it's almost oh, literally... 
it's almost literally the treasure in this one but i think weird to go backwards on that you usually it's like an, a scaling escalation of oh and <laughs> yes. by the way nathan drake you're the son of thor right <laughs> like, well what's interesting is that the running joke in the uncharted games is that he is a descendant of sir francis drake which uh-huh. only comes to light at the uh in during the course of the fourth game that's actually a lie that he uh you know the stuff that the background stuff they do in this movie with him and his brother sam mm-hmm. is done a lot in four like sam is not a character in any other uncharted games like nathan drake might as well be an only child of the first three uncharted games and then they're like oh by the way sam secretly yeah okay yeah and it's uh they're they're both orphans and they like live together in like an orphanage or like you know a nunnery kind of similar to the setup here and then they kind of discover this elderly woman's like ancient treasures collection and there's like a bunch of lore there about sir francis drake so they uh, nathan and sam had a different last name and then they adopted drake as their last name so the sam nathan drake dynamic is mostly cribbed from four and then the only other big thing that sticks out to me is the cargo plane sequence which has been in a lot of the trailers and that's straight up a sequence in three like that's like shot for shot like him getting his like foot tied to the netting in the cargo drop and having to clamber his way back into the plane is straight up a sequence you play right in yeah Uncharted i feel like i've 3. seen it somewhere even if it was just like a commercial for the game or something i've i've seen that and and you know now i've seen it again <laughs> here we yes. go and that's um, what in the in the in in the uncharted games are big on spectacle like that like yeah most of them have something like that whether it's like there's one where he's like in a giant cargo ship that's like slowly sinking and he has to escape as it's like filling with water and then there's like the runaway like himalayan train that gets derailed and it's like flying everywhere and you're like playing a sequence through that um they're great for action sequences right and it makes right. sense that yeah they would... probably all like quick time event action sequences not really like it's like okay. kind of like a platforming shooting section like the the drake on a train as they call it colloquially i think internally uh is mostly like a cover shooting section and then when it like really goes off the rails i think it's more like platforming and stuff okay all right well given you have this breadth of knowledge you came into it as you know with expectations i just knew it was going to be a summer blockbuster slash video game movie so inherently two points off of its possible potential Uh, (laughs) i thought pretty good you know decent okay yeah kind of fine as an action movie (laughs) yes you're like slowly degrading your opinion (laughs) of it i want to not be too excited but i also wasn't upset like if i ever just turned on a movie just to kill some time and it was this movie i'd be like all right fine you know if i had if i hadn't seen it and i I was sitting down uh i would not be upset i think um how did you feel (laughs) based on this experience i think think the word i would use to describe it and it's a word i bandy about a lot but inoffensive comes to mind Mm -hmm. where it's like you know you said fine like it's fine it's yeah it's it's it it definitely feels like i mean it's in that indiana jones style right which is weird Mm -hmm. because it's like indiana jones it's almost its own subgenre where you have indiana jones and then you have movies that try really hard yeah. to emulate indiana jones it's, and then it's another fail. tomb raider and right you know it's another National which, treasure came to mind which is mm-hmm, funny because i mm-hmm. felt like 
National Treasure had better pacing in its <laughs> first movie than this one at points. Um, like the way they introduce characters is so fast. Like especially it, there's near too the many, and I it <laughs> it kind of feels like they didn't need to introduce as many characters, although they wanted a lot of double crossing. Which man, this movie uh-huh. is constantly filled with that. But uh, yeah, it, it does feel like too many. I think the weirdest introduction was the oh i gotta uh remember their names the the antonio banderas's character and antonio banderas's father yes his character's father uh the mon Mon mancada family (laughs) it's about to say monsanto yeah well big (laughs) agri corpse they introduce this concept of this like super rich family that's been involved in every bad thing throughout history ever they're like spanish inquisition (laughs) that's them the crusades that's them um and they they, you know so like their wealth just controls the world and the way they introduce them is by literally throwing down a book flipping through it and opening to a page of antonio banderas and this other actor like full full page photo and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now you know about them. Close book, move on to next thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would like, even argue that Sully and Chloe, who are like two main characters from the games, are like introduced far too rapidly. Where it's like the, the movie doesn't even seem interested in catching up people who haven't played the games. It's like, here's Sully, you know who he is. All right, here's Chloe. Like, yeah, yeah whatever. It's like, I, well, that's interesting because I haven't played the games, but they're so archetypal, arch, yes. archetypal, archetypal. Yes. That archetypical is that i couldn't tell ah. <laughs> i wasn't sure they, they're so fit to that archetype though that i didn't need any more introduction i was like i get it move on yeah like, sure. no, i mean like I, not move on i wasn't rushing it i was just saying like it's okay to move on you know like it was yeah fine. but that's that's a, that's a shame in and of itself because yeah then you yeah. know that the, the the movie itself is too intertwined with the genre mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. that it's embedded in and so it it uses that as a crutch instead of like good characterization. And so let's talk about Sully real quick. Um, so this, an uncharted movie has been in some form of development hell for a long, long time, like at least a decade. Um, and Mark, Mark Wahlberg so desperately wanted a, an uncharted movie to exist and B to star as Nathan Drake for a long, long while. Yeah. Um, like he was like really see, pushing for it in Hollywood. I can see that though, yeah, because he looks like he's older in the games, right? Like yeah. Tom Holland yeah, playing yeah. him felt like he was yeah. very young, which is so funny because Tom Holland isn't that young, but we've now all he's like twenty-five, and we've all like been programmed to think of him as a high schooler. Yes, so <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So so Mark Wahlberg had been pushing for it for a while, and then he kind of, I guess, Hollywood determined he had aged out of the role. So by the time they actually greenlit it, he was like, "Okay, I still want to be a part of the movie." So they cast him as Sully. So <laughs> we have this problem of Mark Wahlberg being too old, quote unquote, for Nathan Drake, but right. far too young <laughs> for Victor Sullivan, because Victor Sullivan is supposed to be like this, this, uh, uh, you know silver silver maned you know big you know, tom Selleck mustache always chomping mm-hmm. on a stogie you know hawaiian shirts kind of H- stuff hence the post credits mustache and cigar yes. yeah yes okay. and it's it's a real shame that mark Wahlberg so desperately needed to be like a face in this movie that they jettison a lot of the things that makes 
Sully interesting in the games to me because he's definitely supposed to be like this much older figure in Nathan Drake's life and in this it just kind of feels like Mark Wahlberg which brings me to a question Mm -hmm. is Mark Wahlberg a good actor oh what a uh, that's tough because I I think there are roles he's good in but does that just mean those are roles he's good in that he just kind of naturally slips into and yeah. isn't really acting, right? Like, sure. you couldn't make him play very... He doesn't have a wide range. We can say no. that, I think, fairly. Yeah. Um, I I like him in certain things. Uh, yeah. If he is a angry Bostonite, then he's <laughs> probably doing the right role. Sure, sure. Okay, so he's good in The Departed. I was going to mention yeah. The Fighter. I like him in The Fighter, but I like him... I mean, but he in the fighter, he mostly works as a foil to Christian Bale as his scrawny, drug addicted fuck up of a brother. Mm -hmm. And like, it's less that Mark Wahlberg brings a lot to that role than Mark Wahlberg is a contrasting force. Yes, (laughs) is a neutral force compared to what Christian Bale is doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I enjoy him in a number of things I've seen him in. But he is very much playing a type. Yeah. It, it is the Mark Wahlberg type. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Sully's situation with Mark Wahlberg. And that's why Mar- Mark Wahlberg is in this movie as opposed to a older actor playing that role. Um, Like in a different world, you could see. I mean, I don't know who the contemporary version of like a Burt Reynolds type would be. But someone of that kind of kind of like grizzled, swarthy, yeah. suaviness. Uh, would be good in that role. Put Bruce Campbell in there. Sure, yeah. Bruce Campbell with a mustache feels like that. Uh, so here's some some people who were potentially up for the role of Sully at some point during development. Uh, Robert De Niro and Joe okay. Pesci. Okay, Joe Pesci's far too old. Joe Pesci's basically a corpse. No offense <laughs> yes. to Joe Pesci. Well, but you said this was in development hell for a very long time. Yeah, I, but like I a imagine... decade. Joe Pesci was old a decade ago. Oh, okay. Okay, I wasn't sure how long. I could imagine a version where Mark Wahlberg is younger and is the main character, is Nathan Drake, and Joe Pesci is potentially his, you know, like, uh, in a different era. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be fine. Uh, here are some other people. Um, Brian Cranston. I could maybe i don't yeah, i don't know no, i don't know, know the what? game that, character well i think that works a lot because i mean and maybe this is just body types do a lot for me in terms of like when you're ch- casting for a role that already already exists uh-huh. and i think mark Wahlberg is far too bulky hmm. for this kind of thing it's not like victor sullivan is like super scrawny but he you know he's an older guy so he's 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 more he's he's toner he's 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 a little smaller in 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 frame than mark Wahlberg. so i think brian cranston would work because mark brian cranston is a kind of a smaller guy well how about we swing yeah even smaller to jake gyllenhaal was considered Mm. for sully he's Uh, too young he's too young he's too hand well chris hemsworth was considered for sully no Matthew McConaughey, going back to the older <laughs> side of <laughs> All actors. right, all right, all right. Nate, we're going to find this treasure. Just just playing it off of the type. Again, not having played the games, but just that character archetype. I think this could work. Woody Harrelson okay. was in the okay. list. He, okay. I feel like he could play an older mentor scumbag, but with a heart well, of I mean, gold. He does, literally, in, in the Han Solo movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and in so many other things. Uh, and then, of course... 
because it's a video game movie and it's a you know a piece of someone's nostalgia that can be ruined chris oh, no. pratt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chris pratt work. was up for the role at one point that wouldn't work um but yeah a wide range of people i don't think sure you know i again it's so hard for me to have this commentary i'm saying it over and over again but mark Wahlberg was fine in this movie as this character who i don't have any connection to yeah <laughs> um it just it just it still didn't feel perfect mm-hmm. like it, it like i some of the people you listed there i feel like could have been better but i think mark yeah. Wahlberg. It, it frustrates me and mark Wahlberg is there mostly because of his passion for the game and his right and that's so funny that he would have that passion and then do a completely different version right of a character than the game presents it sounds almost like. do a disservice to that to that character i mean like yeah. if he wants to be passionately attached to the role maybe pick up a producer and executive producer credit yeah but that's just me um, let's talk about the other casting uh, of the other main character in this movie. Tom Holland does not work for me <laughs> so as weird. Nathan Drake. I've only seen Nathan Drake, you know, on like posters and, and pictures of the game and that kind of thing, uh, commercials for the game. And it is a very weird casting choice to go yes. that route. Yeah. And it's, you know, God bless Tom Holland. I think he really, he really tried in this movie. I think there are parts there's there are like morsels of parts in this movie where I'm like okay I can believe it like I can believe what he's he's selling this this kind of this he's it's much different than his Peter Parker right like he's much more confident he's much more brazen he is different yes performance wise there's still a lot of Peter Parker in this or maybe it's just a lot of Tom Holland in both roles uh, I'm not sure which, but you're right. I mean, he has. There is a difference uh, in that confidence level, and that like I'm gonna pull off a scam. You know, like I, he knows what he's doing every step of the way, as opposed to reacting as much maybe in the yeah. early parts of the movie. But he still looks far too young for yeah. Yeah. this this character role, and <laughs> I mean, it's a shame. He's he's just a l- young looking dude. Yeah, he's like his mid to late twenties. And, Did you, you find know. it so weird when they flashed back to young, yeah, younger Tom Holland? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like, you don't, but I think of him as a teenager. I know he's not, I know he's not. And that's on me, but I can't go from him as a teenager, you know, playing Peter Parker to him as two years younger, looking like an entirely different human being. You know, well, what's even weirder is that when they do that flashback to them in the in the Catholic school nunnery, whatever it is, uh, that him at that point, because it says on the on the flashback, which I really mm-hmm. like the title cards this, in this movie because they use the Uncharted font and it's always like semi diegetic. It's like in the actual like perspective mm-hmm. of the of the scene. Um, apparently that that <laughs> he's supposed to be 10 years old in that scene. <laughs> Yeah, he does not look 10. No, that's like a 15-year-old playing yeah. a 10-year-old. It's like, wow. what, what is happening? Wow. But huh. by that math, then he's supposed to be the age he actually is. Tom Holland is in real life. Which, it's, I mean, I guess if anyone can play the age they actually are in real life, it, it should be anyone. It, I mean, you know what I mean? Sure. I said that completely wrong. If someone is going to play an age, they should be able to play the age they are in real life. That's what I mean. Right, but um, Tom Holland's problem is that he has baby face, and so yeah, it doesn't really sure. really work. But, Wild. Know, but God bless him for trying. Like, I mean, I, I'm surprised you had a 
seemingly more positive experience with this movie than I did. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun, simple movie that doesn't make any sense. Like dumb shit happens constantly. It is not good, but it is fine. (laughs) Like it is totally passable as an action movie. And that's that's so much better than so much of what we watch that I was right, like, exactly. cool. Yeah. The 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 lowest of bars has been has been met. Right, exactly. Uh um, Zachary uh Levi was uh a potential uh casting as Nathan Drake if Tom Holland didn't work out. That would I think that would be phenomenal. I think that would have worked. He spent great. his time in Chuck, he's got the action chops, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. He's got yeah. the physique now from shazam mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean and then there's that that fan film that came out however long ago with yes. nathan fillion in there yeah, which 2018 i think i think nathan fillion in that fan film is fine i think it's perfect in the fan film and i don't i, I don't know, i just i'm such a big nathan fillion fan but like he fits it so well but i do see why hollywood wouldn't put him in a major role especially some more time having passed and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think the the actor who plays Sully in that fan film is perfect. Mm. Just just fits the role perfectly. Um maybe maybe they play up him smoking cigars a little too much because literally every shot with him is him with a cigar in his mouth and he has to like talk pull with it out it. of the talk. No, no, no. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like just all, right, rubber, rubber. Rubber. all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So do you want to get into the the plot well, of this, I this guess here so. film. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I took very sparse notes because I, I took mean, a lot of notes for three fourths of the movie. <laughs> and then at was, the end, I was just like, it's all action from here on out. I'm yeah, just yeah. going to hang out. Um, yeah. Uh, so our cold opening feels like a record scratch moment. It's yes. like you see it zoomed in on a ring, uh, which is on a necklace, which is you know, clearly falling through the sky, kind of zoom out slowly to Tom Holland wearing said necklace, falling out of the sky, his foot caught on a shipping crate thing from a plane. Yeah. Um, and he wakes up and freaks out. Somebody like flies past him and we're in media res with the scene from the trailer that we already mentioned, uh, this huge cargo plane depositing its payload over the ocean and him trying to climb jump up it. Um, it, and, uh, and, and like you said, it's right from the game. Um, it's a fun action piece and all of the parts of this that are live action, actual Tom Holland, like climbing, jumping, whatever look good. My problem is, and I'm, we talked about this before recording. I can't believe you didn't feel as taken out by it. Any wide shot they could use, they replaced everything with CG that looks straight out of like a PS4 game quality. Like, it was it was so hard for me to accept the movements and the lighting and shadow changes and even like the character model for Tom Holland's Nathan Drake looked more like video game Nathan Drake um, looks like I imagine because he just wasn't like it, the body felt off and the movement speed and everything felt off. It bothered me so much. I was thrown back to like early 2000s Sam Raimi Spider-Man like everything felt wrong interesting uh, and and it it's so weird because it cuts back and forth between live and CG multiple times it wasn't like we just sat with a shot and then came back and we we're back in live action for a while like it's it's constant back and forth and I hate it, it looks so weird and it's so 
unnecessary is how I would describe it. Like, I think you could have done some of the like Tom Cruise Mission Impossible style shots where you go from afar and it's actually someone hanging off of something. You don't have to do like the weird jumping that is completely inhuman and unnatural in CG. Just don't do that. Don't do it. It's easier to not do it. Yeah, and who knows how much they want to just, like, replicate the feel of the games because, like, some of Nathan Drake's stunts in those games can feel pretty superhuman. Um, Yeah, I I guess I wasn't paying that much attention. I did not... The the CG did not take me out of it, but if I I pay closer attention, maybe I don't know. The the thing I noticed um, was sometimes when they would do a a CG stunt with tom holland i could very clearly tell it was cg because he would kind of have that like neo in the matrix kind of like rubbery mm-hmm, thing it's like mm-hmm. it's not it, it like the musculature and whatnot is not bending in a human yeah, way yeah that's the only time i picked up on it but yeah these the the wide shots and whatnot i did not um pay attention to I was I was forwardly angry <laughs> with it. Um, Something that's also confusing about the scene to just kind of talk about when they get to it chronologically in the movie is that the scene with this cold open starts with Tom Holland, Nathan Drake waking up that he's been mm-hmm. like knocked out and he realizes he's like being dragged outside this cargo plane. They never show a shot later when that when we come back to that scene where he gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah. I, you, you, you're forced to piece it together. I did notice that too, that they just kind of catch you up. The reason for that is because we're in another character's perspective when it happens. Mm, right. We okay. are. So like he's dealing with that stuff. Uh, he gets knocked out. We don't see that happen because we've cut over to uh, Chloe to spoilers. <laughs> uh, Chloe, who is like also escaping the plane, and then they meet up at the end of this sequence because he gets to the top of the cargo load. It like drops away just as he grabs onto the edge of the plane or whatever, pulls himself up. And then a sports car, like an Italian sports car is rolling out of the plane and hits him. It's a Mercedes, but uh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Not Italian. Okay. Uh, it's, it's the kind Italian? of sports car you drive around Italy in my mind. <laughs> sure. Yes. Like it's like a classic, like fifties yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. Um, and we find out later there's another character driving that car that is, you know, uh, a, a part of this story uh, pretty deeply. But um, so while he gets knocked out of the air the second time by this car, that's when we sort of cut to him uh, as a child. All of a sudden, this 10 year old who's clearly played by at least a 13, maybe 15 year old boy. Yeah. Um, hanging off of a balcony outside of. A museum? Is that what that is? I think is? so. Or yeah. I, it's either a museum or like a private collection, which yeah. would emulate the this this plot beat in in the game. Gotcha. Um, and that is young Nathan and his brother Sam breaking into this place. There's some back and forth of like, I told you not to come, and I told you I was coming, and, and whatever you know. It's weird, weird conversations for brothers to have, but you know, yeah. You know, God, go, go oh. about the birds of the bees. Oh, Dylan, no. <laughs> No, no. Uh, Either way, (laughs) this very hard to accept scene plays out with them pointing at a picture of Magellan and saying, look, it's the first man who sailed across the world. Psych. No, he didn't. You idiot. (laughs) 
he died before he finished it. Somebody else did it. He's not the guy. He just gets all the credit. Um, and that's meant to set up like a lifelong interest in Magellan's journey that both of these brothers have. Um, his journey is, <laughs> which, which is a pretty crucial piece of this plot. And then, um, we, we kind of deal with them living in a, uh, 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 an orphanage with some nuns and eventually the older brother's like, I'm getting out of here and I'm, you know, I'll come back for you or, or whatever. Um, and he is out, he's gone, but what does he give him? He gives him the ring. Yes. He gives him the ring, uh, his old lighter, uh, which becomes like a prized possession of his, yeah. um, the ring also giant component of uh nathan's uh ensemble in mm-hmm. in the games he's always wearing the ring as and a according necklace. according to imdb here it is sir francis drake's ring so that's another tie to that piece of the the puzzle here is it going to turn out in the movies you think if they make a, are they making a sequel have they announced I've, i have no idea i meant to check like th- what the the gross on this the box office was it's cause... pretty clear by the post credits they were like we're gonna do a sequel but i wonder yeah how it earned and and uh and that kind of thing especially yeah. during a pandemic um but okay so he has those things cut to modern day he is now uh not falling out of a plane but that that was just a teaser for later in the movie Whoa. he is pre plane fall working as a, a a schlub in a uh in a in a very high dollar um uh bar with like a bespoke vest and outfit like his full outfit is like clearly tailored and it's like he i don't get like loser vibes off of this i think they're not loser that's not fair i think they were just going for he's just like a normal guy um who with extraordinary with an extraordinary mind and extraordinary skills but he's living a normal life but his life doesn't feel normal to me it feels like he's like a like a pretty good bartender at a high class bar at in new york city yeah which i'm sure is pretty prized and you probably bring in a, a decent amount of money from that yeah um and also you say pretty good bartender but i would say the most annoying bartender possible <laughs> because a, a woman comes up and orders a drink and he starts like showing off doing the like twirl the thing behind his back and roll it down his arm to pour the drink stuff and like uh uh, rattling off facts about the origins of drinks oh he yeah he denies her her drink order which is like yes. what a shitty thing to do she well, orders I mean, look this is what mixologists do okay like she's like Ugh. i want a vodka a, a gin uh no she wants a gin and tonic and he's like it's my first drink of the night challenge me she's like okay give me a negroni and then as he's doing his you know somersaults with the the mixing <laughs> cup or whatever yeah. he is just he is talking about the history of the negroni uh to which the woman is like cool i guess yeah. whatever Unimpressed. i just wanted a drink dude <laughs> like leave me alone and, and why'd glad... you come to this fucking new york city fancy ass bar then well you could go to a fancy bar and still just have a simple drink and expect not to be harassed by the bartender um but i'm glad they did sort of play this out you know like my my first instinct was like bristles up at this version of this character i was like oh i hate him i hate him but what i find is well, what we find is he eventually ends up like uh using that old lighter that barely functions to light a cigarette for this lady outside and while he's doing that 
seemingly right in front of her eyes, like sleight of hands, her, um, her diamond necklace or no, I'm sorry. Uh, bracelet, bracelet. uh, away from her. And, uh, and that's how he's like getting by. He's, he's both bartending and stealing from high value marks that he picks out of a crowd. Yeah. Um, when he's their possessions, which I feel like, I'm I'm surprised like within the course of the scene it didn't come back to bite him that she didn't mm-hmm. notice this like very expensive bracelet she was wearing and be like yeah. hey I had this up until I was at that bar and that guy was talking to me yeah and if he just if Nathan Drake just works at this bar and that's what he's yeah. doing he's just ripping off customers very findable yeah 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 like eventually enough people would complain like hey I lost something here that that like somebody would start piecing it together maybe yeah um and then they no. flip tom holland upside down and shake him and all the possessions fall out of his pockets because he's <laughs> yeah. just been holding on to them like a cartoon character so then he is bussing a table and he bends over to grab somebody's uh beer and we zoom out and it's mark Wahlberg. and mark Wahlberg immediately dips his hand into the vest pocket of tom holland and steals the the bracelet and put pockets a little business card with his information on it and challenges him to say like, Hey, I saw you doing this scam. Uh, you're pretty good at it. Uh, but you're wasting your time. Why don't you come do some cool stuff with me? I got big jobs, big plans. And of course, Nathan Drake is immediately rejecting this idea at first, but once he realizes the bracelet's gone, it's worth a visit to, uh, to Mark Wahlberg's apartment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> worth breaking into his apartment instead yes. of waiting for regular business hours this is pretty uh true to source material of how they is how it? they meet yeah okay. except it's not in new york city it is like in latin america because nathan drake has just as like an older teenager just kind of just been traveling mm-hmm. the world and getting that. into trouble and you know stealing stuff to get by and then i think i he wonder tries- if they re staged it to new york because they thought it would be socially more palatable to steal from a trust fund white woman because they'd call her that they're like oh that trust fund daughter yeah um if they were like that that's more socially acceptable than going sure to a latin american country and stealing from the locals and disappearing him him both stealing from the locals and then kind of appropriating like the aladdin street rat thing oh no Uh, (laughs) i mean it it feels that way and i think like they meet because uh Nathan Drake chooses Sully as his mark and tries to steal from him uh, and then yeah. Sully gets him. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. So he breaks into Sully's house. Uh, Sully has uh, just a bunch of historical kind of possessions, you know, treasures from all over the world. One of which is the same map that he found with his brother, Sam uh, when they were younger and he was uh surprised to uh yeah it, it is it an there. authentic map of magellan's journey across the world so tra- tracking his route uh through the philippines and fully you know back to europe i guess yeah um and uh so that that catches his eye they they kind of exchange you know the bracelet goes back the um they they talk about the uh the the map and how he is interested in the facts around it. The, the real history of who, you know, the, what do they call them? The, um, 
the something, something 18. No, it's 12. 18. Is it 18? Yeah, it's 12. so funny because you were just correcting me as I was correcting you. I am, I am <laughs> so sure. Right here? I'm so sure it's 18 because this is what threw me. They said Magellan died and then the captain. Oh, maybe this makes more sense now. I'm about to tell my own reasoning for, for being confused. I still think 18. <laughs> um, oh, stick it to my story. Uh, no, I, I am. Uh, just what, what, what threw me now makes sense. So. He said the captain and 17 of his men. And for some reason, I was lumping the captain in that 17. And I thought it would be weird that they would call themselves the something 18 if Magellan is dead. Like, were they including his name? But they weren't at all. They were the captain and 17 men. So stupid me. But it's it's 18. I'm, I'm so positive. <laughs> Are you like, looking it up? I'm like furiously like... I want to know. I, I want this live, like fact check Wikipedia pages it, to try it, to find this either information. Either tear me down or validate me so fucking hard. <laughs> like, um, well, while you look that up, I'll let you keep looking. I, can, uh, I can't find it, so yeah, maybe we just have to move the on. The reveal here is that uh, Sully knew Sam. Sam, uh, who has been sending Nathan postcards all of his life. It has disappeared and Sully's like he hasn't even sent you a postcard uh, to try to piece together what uh, Nathan might know about the treasure because Sully and Sam were on the hunt for this for years. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is a like I don't want anything to do with you buzz off moment but then Nathan gives in and is like fine I'm in like I, I'm doing it. Um, and then we go into heist planning they um they, you know, over a couple scene transitions, they are going to find a cross that is an old, like, Spanish gold cross that is up for auction, but is not really just a cross. It is actually one of two keys necessary to open a hidden treasure that was lost by uh, Magellan's sea crew. Um, so basically, this is where that Moncada uh, family comes into play. Um, in Magellan's time, no one would fund his world seeking journey. Um, so instead, or no nation would, Spain couldn't afford it in other places like that. So instead this private family funded him with the idea that when they passed to the Philippines, they would collect a shitload of gold. It never explains how they got how the, that gold. Yeah. Did they murder people? Did it was it just sitting there? Oh, I would <laughs> yeah, it, it most definitely was probably genocide. Yes. So that really is an interesting thing to throw on Magellan, right? That Magellan would be totally cool with murdering a bunch of Philippines people to take their gold to make his trip happen. Um but at at any rate, after they passed through the Philippines and collected the gold Magellan dies, no hint at whether he died naturally or was murdered by these people as well. Uh, and then they continued the journey with all of the gold from the Philippines, hid it away somewhere and came back and said, nope, we didn't find the gold. And it was never there um, with the intent to return many years later and, you know, find their gold stash. Yeah, reclaim um, it. But when they hid it, they created this complex system of keys and and secret uh, tunnels and things uh somewhere in the world which they will have to uh uncover at yeah. some point as well and uh, so the, the 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 cross here is the first step in that in that yes. journey um so yeah so they uh their plan is to go to this kind of high-end auction for all of these 
antiquities um, where Antonio Banderas's character is also going to and uh, steal it from under their noses. Um, like they're not going to bid on it because it's far too expensive. Um, this is also pretty much one for one taken from Uncharted Four, where okay. they go to a black uh, a black market auction and steal uh, an item they need to further their their treasure hunting quest quest. Um, so they play all this stuff out and uh, uh, Sully is like, all right, what are you going to need? And Nathan Drake's like, I'm going to need like some wire cutters and I'm going to need this. I'm also going to need a cat. It's like part of his heist plan. Right. So he's like, okay. And they show up the night of the heist at Sully's place. It's like, all right, here's this. Here's this. And here's the cat. Why do you need the cat? He's like, oh, I just got that for you. That's just, that's just yours. Yeah, this is just, he says, you seem really sad and lonely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fun. That's a good gimmick. Um, it so is. They go, yeah. I, I'm glad that they, just to get it out of the way now, because I think we'll miss it at some point. They do return to the cat thing multiple times sure. in the movie. Um, specifically while they're like hopping all around the world and going to all these places. They're, they're like, do you think the cat's okay? I cut the man on the app to take care of it. And I worried that he's not. So like, you know, it, that's such a simple small thing but they could have easily just forgotten about the cat and then you yeah. have to assume the cat starves to death because no one's taking care of it but they're like no well, that's drop, upsetting drop a line in that says someone's taking care of that cat Make yeah. me happy um, um so they so they go to the the auction uh antonio banderas is there as well as his uh right hand man uh joe uh what is her last name braddock braddock joe braddock who is as far as i know a wholly created character oh interesting this i mean antonio banderas is too but uh this Mm. character definitely seems inspired by some of the female characters they have in the games um that play like that do do this like oh i i i'm an anti-hero or i sometimes work for the bad guys sometimes work for the good guys you know i just i work for the highest bidder kind of thing um and so yeah it's interesting that they made all the villains original for this yeah i wonder why that's interesting um maybe because uncharted doesn't have particularly memorable villains Um, gotcha gotcha (laughs) so uh, they go through this whole kind of escapade to try to um get get the cross the cross goes up for auction uh tom holland is supposed to cut the lights so sully can walk up and just kind of swipe it um he is having some trouble because he runs into the scotsman (laughs) who is only credited in the movie as the scotsman yeah um and he he speaks in a big thick scottish brogue you know where he's just like yeah the whole joke is that he's repeatedly telling nathan drake that he's gonna kick his ass and nathan drake can't understand him because his yeah. accent is too thick yeah, he's like you're gonna get a proper scottish welcome and he's like i don't understand what you're saying which is funny because tom holland's british so oh yeah all right yeah he would he would he would have i know that's you know outside the context of the actual film but sure but maybe the closer chance yeah uh, but yeah so we got we get this fight scene uh they es- he, tom holland has to escape uh, the breaker room not turning off the lights, not succeeding at his plan, and has to leap onto an elaborate set of like tube lights yeah. hanging from the ceiling. 
um, says the really mean fat shaming thing to the big Scottish guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's and like, the at least you henchmen. can't get me, fat ass. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, hey, hey, Tom, hey, <laughs> whoa, 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 hey. yeah. Um, but that creates enough of a distraction that uh, Mark Wahlberg is able to throw on a red colored jacket, or he just kind of turns his jacket inside out. I think yes. it was pre-staged for this to go up and pretend to be working for the auction and take the the thing. But then Joe Braddock uh, starts following him, and she—they've established there is presumably a romance between, yes, uh, a soiled romance between Sully and and Joe at some point. Um, she's got him dead to rights. Security catches up. He's wearing the auction jacket, so the security team thinks he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, um, they go to fight her. He slips away eventually tom holland slips slips away as well when they try to get him and, and you don't really see how he succeeds at doing that he just runs out of the building and down the street and they all end up in the same car um or they both both end up in the yeah. same car with some random driver who is never mentioned again or explained no. or anything uh would to to silly surprise because silly thought he kind of got got a fast one over uh tom holland slash Nathan yeah. drake i keep using everyone's names I, interchangeably I do too yes um that is a big problem i had during this movie is not thinking of them as their characters right i was yeah, constantly just thinking of this is the actor mark Wahlberg in this scene <laughs> yes um and this kind of sets up this running theme where you know it's the, the 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 classic the classic idea of no honor among thieves mm-hmm. right it's like mm-hmm. everyone's kind of out for themselves and because everyone to a certain extent has been betrayed in the past by someone they then have no trust in anyone else now yeah so it's or always reason not to then betray because they know it's coming eventually if they don't yeah it's like if i double cross them. you first you're yeah you won't double cross me um and yeah and sully sully and, and drake's relationship uh has a lot of that mm-hmm. um there's also this reoccurring thing where Nathan Drake just really likes gum. So in the beginning of the movie, his brother gave him a piece of gum. Oh, I didn't catch and it, that. It's like, yeah, he's like forever uh, tied to it. But also, yeah. in addition to liking the gum, he also uses it. He's the whole time they're preparing for this heist while they're in the auction. Um, he's chewing on the gum and then uses it to stick the door uh so that yes. it never latches for the security lock so he can get right, back right, to right. where the power is they, they also meet um antonio banderas's character in this scene mm-hmm. and it's very brief but there is a veiled threat made of like lots of blood was shed for this cross shame a shame that it was like so many tragedies had to occur to get it here um implying that you know maybe more tragedies occur if it doesn't get where it needs to be don't lose your head thinking yeah. about this <laughs> yeah. cross right um, uh so they get the cross they then travel to barcelona right i do not remember locations but uh, that sounds correct I'm pretty sure they went to barcelona which is ironic yes. because in Banderas's character is headquartered in barcelona so they're just like oh uh, yeah just getting closer to him but they go there they meet up with chloe who is another chloe frazier who is another character from uh the games um uh she they again they introduce her within like 30 seconds and 
I'm realizing I was not paying as much attention to this movie as you were, Nick, because you're picking up things like I did not know about the gum stuff between oh, Sam yeah. and, and uh, Nathan, uh, or like I didn't see the CGI stuff that caught your eye. Okay. Uh, but I felt like Chloe was introduced very quickly where she just meets up with them and it's like, hi, I'm Chloe. And Sully's like, yeah. this is Chloe. All right, done. Introdu- introductions over. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It, it plays more in that I don't trust you thing where she's like, fuck you. I'm not going to work with you on this. Yes. Um, and he's like, well, why do you want to meet me here anyway? And he, she was like, I want to make sure you weren't followed back to me being at my place. And uh, then uh, she, you know, kind of reveals that she's been following them since they got off the airport and they didn't notice. So everybody's like super spy, not trust anybody furthering that throughout the whole movie. Real Um, healthy, healthy human relationships here. I was thinking about that partway through this movie, about how just ungodly stressful everything would be if this was your Uh life. Everyone close to you is also such a potential enemy to you that you can never, ever relax. Uh, I would I, w- I would hate this. Right. <laughs> I would never be able to They talk sustain. about this like there's there's this concept of hypervigilance, right? Mm. Where it's like especially gets talked about in like pro gun nuts talk about this, right? Mm. It's like the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. It's like, okay, so you need these good guys with guns to basically have their head on a swivel and constantly being paying attention in any public right and you know and exhausted and stressed out and ready to fire at any moment good call yeah 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 yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. um so they have this back and forth sully reveals that chloe has the other cross mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the other key um and they need to work together to find the both find where the treasure is hidden in barcelona mm-hmm. and use both the keys um and I forget, I think they say, I think they temporarily part ways or something. It's like, all right, we'll meet up again later. It's, and Chloe walks away. No, she just says, fuck you. I'm not helping you. Oh, okay. And then uh, Sully's like, hey, where's the cross? And he's like, it's in my backpack. And he's like, you better check. And the, and like, it's so funny to me that she's like fully walking away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're having this like slow conversation back and forth. And I don't even think it was intentionally funny. But it is hilarious that they're like, well, check. What do you mean, check? It's in my backpack. Well, check in case she took it. Well, she right. could take it. <laughs> like, like the, the idea of that is blowing Tom Holland's mind. But he checks. Of course, she has stolen another backpack. And then instead of chasing after her, Sully just starts going, well, you better go catch her. <laughs> like, so, I'll get too old for this, kid. This is, your, this is your part of the job. Then we cut over to her, and she is jumping off of like a rooftop, or off of a bridge onto a rooftop. Um, and Tom Holland goes sprinting after her. And only then, like after he's watched Tom Holland get some distance, does Sully start running <laughs> and joins this chase. But we have a big, long foot chase over these rooftops. Um, lots of like... I don't know what they are, if they're like skylights for the building below or something, but they're basically these big pillars that make for a good place to hide behind and run and cut and and that kind of thing. And uh, they eventually catch up with her in her crazy looking fucking Jeep, Yeah, um, which I I, I assume that's like some wild product placement with some car manufacturer, but that thing looks like it's made for fighting nations right yeah it like has like yeah it looks like fucking uh mad max's interceptor or something it's got like a yeah. cow plow on the front of it and like a bunch of like like a 
bike rack with with spikes or whatever on the top and like did you not seeing this this thing at first glance think okay this is going to be important like this is going to be driving through the jungle and they're going to be like breaking through branches and stuff with it i i thought that for sure and then it's just like no it's just her car that's just what she drives should people drive it's just Um, totally normal for you know (laughs) soldiers of fortune to have cars like this yeah um but uh throwing all caution to the wind tom holland throws himself on the hood of this car nearly gets run over and says we have to work together if we're going to make this happen because i have a key you have a key i have i'm sorry actually that's not true he doesn't say that because she has both keys at this point uh he says you have the keys but you don't know where to take them i know because i've been studying magellan's journal right because because one of the symbols in the journal is a pine tree so they what assume that it- the fuck kind of pine <laughs> tree is that i <laughs> oh you mean like the the, the, the kind of spruce like circular it, like canopy. a child drew a tree <laughs> and they called it a pine tree like i was so like okay i th- like i honestly i had gotten into the movie enough at that point that i was like tom holland is lying to mark Wahlberg. He's telling him it's a pine tree. It's so clearly not a pine tree. They obviously want us to know that. So Mark Wahlberg's stupid enough to believe it's a pine tree, but Tom Holland knows where it's really got to go. <laughs> you nope. you are now the one that doesn't trust anyone. Yes, you are exactly. Now I've fallen in. Incepted. Uh, so, so he's like, you know, we've got to take it to this tree, but the tree's not really a tree. The tree is a church. Uh, he's got uh some knowledge somehow of um oh uh, what he says is specifically the a tree would be a terrible landmark because they weren't planning to come back for decades and trees would change over that time it has to be something more permanent and what was more permanent back then but churches so uh he finds a church that has that symbol and that church's name with this tree that is definitely 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 not a pine tree is saint mary's of the pine and what the fuck have these nuns never seen a fucking pine tree what is going on how could that be their symbol how could they call themselves of the pine and have that tree on their church i'm enraged (laughs) it's a it's a real church i'm trying to see is the symbol real it probably is it probably is that's what i'm looking for christians don't know what trees are (laughs) that's that's not important this is podcast's official stance (laughs) christians don't know what trees are (laughs) uh not sealing the seal anywhere so who's to say so what annoys me the most about this is they go in this church and they split up because they're going to start looking for clues and while they're split up, Tom Holland finds a postcard rack in the church, which was mentioned before that, that the brother was sending postcards. Um, and he like quickly pulls all the postcards out because he carries all of his brother's postcards with him at all times. Which is wild. Wild to think so about. So crazy. So crazy. Um, and he flips through the postcards and finds a postcard of this church. Now, what? why Why are they back why are they back in the church yeah like if his brother's been here before that's one thing which maybe could be explained at some point in a future movie or whatever but also it's not like like like, i feel like tom holland should have already figured out this church is going to be important oh from the postcards from the, the postcard even says 
can't believe I'd be, end up back in a church, but this one is special. Like it even calls out like obviously there's something going on the here importance. more than it just being a church. Yeah. And like Tom Holland should have been like my brother sent me a postcard. It's of this church. It ha- I, presumably St. Mary's of the Pine came up at some point in Tom Holland's like studying of this postcard. Like it says it on the postcard somewhere or he looked it up or you know, anything. Right. You would have to assume based on the way this guy thinks. How is it like the first time he's thinking of it and well, as he's looking through the the postcards is the first time he puts together that this is the place. Right. Like, exactly. Because it's if 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 Nathan if 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 Nathan Drake has the postcard from there, that means Sam has been there. And if Sam's been there, assumedly that means Sully was also there with him, right? Oh, because yeah. they were working together. So they have already been at least this far on the trail, and maybe they realized they needed the cross at that point and had to duck back. But if that's the case, then Sully like, would know it. Sully I wonder how much of their working together was correspondence and not directly hanging out. Like maybe they would meet up, break off, come maybe. back together. And um, I, I definitely get the sense that Sam is operating independently for a lot of this time. But it does seem like Sam knows like everything ahead of time in such a silly way. Um, yeah, it's and <laughs> so there's a couple other things that piss me off about this scene uh, when they're just kind of like in the cathedral. Uh, number one, when they first walk in, there's a nun because mm-hmm. uh, it's a cathedral. And Nathan Drake says nuns. Why did Why have is it to always got to be nuns? <laughs> you can't do that. You if, if you are if you are a movie that is clearly cribbing from Indiana Jones that you are yeah. like a treasure seeking adventure flick. You cannot then quote Indiana Jones. I think you can because it's parody right at that point. But you yeah, need but this to movie's be not going for parody is the problem. Right. That's the key. That's the problem. Just like because... the cross. This is the key. uh he doesn't say exactly the same line as the like you did just then you just said you know why is it got to be what did you say it's always got to be always it's always snakes yeah right and you said always like he doesn't say that he doesn't say the line directly he makes a super vague version of the line that like it's pretty clearly obviously intended to be reminiscent of the line but is not the line so it's not directly parody in that way and they even at one point mention in like like the very next scene mention indiana jones and ask another character why they became indiana jones uh so not even taking it on himself not like like it's too close to that to the to the other indiana jones reference um weird it very very uncomfortable with that yeah you can't (laughs) it that i think, that I think really you can if me. you go dead on and you're like i am parody referencing this but if you try to like act like it's your line no good right it, it just like and this is when i started making like the national treasure comparisons it's like national treasure had more restraint in not <laughs> referencing indiana jones directly than the uncharted movie and it's That's like so come funny. on y'all come on <laughs> 
Um, uh, the other thing that really pisses me off about this scene is so it's so minor, but they come into this church uh, and they said they had to come back because there was like a midnight mass. So they couldn't come like yeah. when they first found the church. So they like left and came back and they come back like Sully just immediately starts like moving pews and just yeah. like rearranging the room. It's like this is someone's house of worship. Like, yeah, like I'm not like so like I'm not someone that's usually like uh makes a big deal of that but it just seems so wild to just be like oh they're so nice they let us in all right let's just start messing with everything to find our golden treasure and nobody said anything to him nobody no. was like these crazy people are tearing apart our church yeah it is it's real weird and they like seemingly have unrestricted access to all the different parts of the cathedral uh i very strange um but but so they have a clue from the journal of, from magellan's journal which is or no I, I guess maybe it was the captain who it was the it captain's was some member journal. of the crew it was the captain's yeah. journal um, of the 18 and or 12 of, uh, members eight, of the crew. definitely definitely 1800 <laughs> percent, no doubt in my mind <laughs> we'll bet you my house <laughs> it was 18 i don't uh, uh, i don't, you don't want your house. bamboo is gonna <laughs> yeah that's not gonna make <laughs> my sense. house is being overrun by bamboo so uh yeah um okay um <laughs> so the the journal says that you must trust in your fellow man one will go to heaven one will go to hell and when they get to the basement of the cathedral they find a sign in latin that says heaven Mm -hmm. and they find a stone pillar with a little skeleton angel on it and when you press that flip well pseudo flips the altar to um to show uh, uh hell burning yes. inferno yes there's like a, um, there's like like a manually finish it up but yeah painting on there that yeah flips the image around so let's talk about this for a second okay yeah. let's talk about the mechanics yeah of everything in, involved here all right there's more we, we can get to the more but i just mm-hmm. want to briefly talk about this this specific step just here yeah so you come down into this area right into this mm-hmm. basement or whatever and it's like okay you look up, you see the keystone in the archway that says heaven in Latin. All right. Like that could have been like anything. The, 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 the sculptor just happened to carve that in there. And then, right. Yeah. Well, also it could have been replaced in the last oh, several sure. hundred years. Right. Yeah, I, like, I was thinking about restoration efforts this whole time. Yes. Yes. So, like you have to think about the permanence of things. Like you mentioned it already about like the tree. It's like, you can't use the tree as a marker because trees can get cut down or grow and like look yeah. different. It's like, okay, but now, now I will say this, <laughs> having been involved in a number of restoration projects throughout my life, something as important as that keystone with the heaven carved on it, not necessarily 400 years ago, but certainly over the last century, someone would have preserved that. So sure. if it lasted three or if, if it lasted 400 <laughs> years, because they, the they said 500 years since Magellan, uh, his crew passed through. So if it, if, it, if it got through four lucky, you know, just by luck. Yeah. In the last 100, it was safe. Sure. But it's <laughs> like, like, imagine imagine you were a treasure seeker and, like, one of your, like, key points of interest in, like, the leg of your journey is the Notre Dame that yeah. just recently, within the past year or two, yes. had a catastrophic fire. You can no longer use that as, like, a marker depending on what part of it you need it, right? Because it's just burned. Yeah. To the, it's just ashes and cinders. Um, now, but, yeah, I mean the wood parts, right? But like, if the stone was okay, <laughs> then, sure. 
then a lot of this would still fly. It is. Right. I do think it's like a wooden block for the um, oil painting of hell. Yes, uh, that's, so that that could have been that's gone. The next part. So they push in the 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 the, the thing on the wall that is you know made of stone but it pushes in like a button yeah and then somehow there is there's a mechanism that like connects through the pillar through the floor onto the other side of the room into this wooden altar piece that holds this diptych triptych whatever that then mechanically spins it around it is two so yeah i guess it would be a diptych (laughs) yeah it's called a diptych yeah no you're a diptych oh wow all right harsh (laughs) um yes uh absolutely all of this like the idea that over these 500 years someone working in the church didn't accidentally push that button and discover this yes didn't didn't intentionally push that button and just like you know cleaning and doing other things and just finding like what is this i'm gonna find this out uh or in restoring that altar because you know over time that would have worn down and they probably would have had to do some touch-up like could have you know said all right we need to disassemble this to to do something and they go find this whole secret passageway behind there exactly all of that just slipping by for 500 years is impossible that said fully on board sure fully no it's an adventure fully okay with it i am such a sucker for this stuff even though it doesn't make sense oh i I, love like indiana jones like fucking you want to talk about lucasfilm shit like fuck star wars indiana jones is where it's at like i would i would i would you know ceremoniously sacrifice every star wars movie on an nice. altar if i could get like half a dozen more indiana jones wow uh, even if they are of the quality of like four hmm. yeah that's tough you're making well, a deal with the devil it's not like star wars has been any better in the past yeah, decade Mandalorian. or so Mandalorian's pretty good <laughs> anyways so so they realize that there are two keyholes that fit the crosses in perfectly so they have to put them in and then turn them uh at the same time and they ask Sully, all right which way are we supposed to turn them? Sully, and he flips through the journal and he's like okay uh clockwise and they rotate him clockwise and the things shoot out like sharp long wooden darts no no, that, no not like, wooden definitely not like polished steel oh like okay. like so polished that i'm like who's been maintaining these <laughs> here's my secret thought the nuns knew all along the nuns are like they, part of a secret society to of protecting this ancient gold yeah. yeah like they fully fucking knew this was not at all a uh uh, a, a hidden lost part of the church this is them going down and constantly yeah. like checking the oil on the swinging mechanism to make the thing turn around when someone pushes the button yeah they are um, they are kneeling and praying in an altar of magellan yeah. to, <laughs> to protect the they've sworn oath yeah because it doesn't make sense those things like i would love for a movie to at some point accidentally trigger a trap but it just kind of goes like very limply like and like or like gets <laughs> the like tension caught. is no longer there right yeah like what is holding it these hundreds of years and how does it come out so clean these these spears uh of steel uh but yeah so sully like you were saying uh had said the wrong thing and then what happens and then they shoot the spears out and one gets like caught in sully's like backpack or something mm-hmm. so he's fine and because the other two are like kind of prone on either side of where like the dart slots were they're they're fine it's it's weird because it it 
it's like okay we have to have this because mm-hmm. like what's an adventure treasure hunting flick without booby traps but it, have them. it is it is so limp in yeah. its delivery like he like when Malk, when when mark Wahlberg produces the dart it doesn't he like there's no energy of him like pulling it plucking yeah. it out of the backpack yeah. he just kind of like produces it like here it is and then he throws it away and there's the 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 more we watch movies and the more we criticize movies with this i am now cursed <laughs> i'm cursed with just paying attention to things that normal people do not see yes, i've become such absolutely. a stickler for just like editing and like delivery and whatnot and it, i think it's, there's a lot of weird small bad editing choices throughout this movie too yeah like, and it, yeah it, it, it's it's wild it's in it and it makes me wonder how do you make a feature film and like have all of these issues and i think it comes down to pipeline and yes. process like i think some directors you know i know i've, I've read about some directors like having like they, they storyboard literally every shot or like Edgar Wright is really big about like mm-hmm. having knowing going into the movie how he wants every shot to work and how it's going to build mm-hmm. to, into each other. Whereas I think some other directors might like they shoot and they put stuff in the can they have a lot of dailies and then like they give all that footage to the editor and they're like, all right. And they're like, you make the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. Like, yeah. Like here's I, the story. I think you're exactly right. And I think that's partly the industry, right? Like it's hard for Edgar Wright to exist. It, because you have to get somebody to fund that movie, right? Sure. Um, so more movies are going to be made where somebody is willing to just hand it off. And the once it's already shot, then you got to do reshoots. And most movies, I think, go through some reshoots. But, mm-hmm. you but know, those are massive. Right. Massive reshoots are going to be re- way too expensive to justify in a lot of cases. And then even when they do them everybody is upset usually (laughs) like you hear about these movies that go through like huge reshoots um and then what comes out is usually a like a a disjointed product uh so i think you just kind of accept it and you you know you just assume that like well the editors will do the best they can yeah Um, and and that's the other side of this coin right it's that like if if you're a perfectionist with everything nothing ever comes out mm -hmm. like even even with you know a podcast recording like there's a certain point where i'm just like it has to be done it's yep. in the can, like move on to the next thing. So yeah, I, I think can, that's huge. Yeah, I can respect the realism of that, that everyone's working on a deadline. And everyone's just got to work with what they have and nothing's ever going to be perfect. Um, but that doesn't stop me from, as a consumer, still picking yeah. up on these these small things and being like, ah, I just, I wish they just had like a little bit more time to like fix this problem or like maybe a little more like planning ahead or you know and you hear about like peter jackson having what like two years of pre-production or whatever right, for lord right. of the rings uh anyways that's a that's a tangent um they so turn they the, unlock, key the other way yeah but they <laughs> yeah. turn the key the other way they unlock the secret passage that's behind this altar they descend down into it uh well yeah, can, can we talk about how like they turn the key the other way and it's this pretty cool like latching system on the floor of tracks to move the the whole altar off the wall mm-hmm. but like it, you know it does take some muscle work like tom holland has to get in there and really push to move this thing but i have a shed door that sticks <laughs> like my shed is i don't know probably 20 years old and yeah. it is almost impossible to open without me like bending halfway over and yanking on this thing and, and the hinges aren't made of granite yeah like this thing sitting unopened for centuries would be so like 
locked into place that it would never move unless 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 those nuns are coming and checking up on it every yeah. now and then putting some oil on the track yeah i was about to say some wd-40 yep. down there on the I'm telling on the you st- on the stone hinges there's some the, <laughs> yeah there's some there's some stuff going on with those nuns yeah um but this is where they have to split someone has to go to heaven which is the stairs up uh, back to the street and someone has to go to hell which is behind the the oil painting which is this like spooky catacombs t- uh, tunnel yes so they descend down to this thing uh they have to oh, we, we specifically to... chloe and nathan go down and yes. sully goes up which becomes a big to do again because no one trusts one another and they have to, to split up um so chloe and nathan go down uh they kind of go through this causeway that kind of like gets pretty narrow and there's like a bunch of like modern piping next to mm-hmm. it which is also like if there's piping here that yeah it's definitely not been sealed for 500 years yeah someone's been down here and then they come to, to the movie's credit they call that out of course sure sure and then they come to this uh uh antechamber where they come to this like grate where there's like a bunch of lighting happening behind it and i was kind of excited i was like "Ooh, is there gonna be like some like mystical thing that's like constantly glowing no they open it up it's just a fucking like punk rave that's happening yeah. down in these barcelonian catacombs yeah and there's like a bar a pop-up bar and shit uh it it is almost a commentary on how ridiculous the concept is in and of itself that these tunnels would exist and be ignored for this long yes like they they wouldn't something would fill in right it's like something would happen um or or they would be known about at the very least right like even like in uh france the catacombs under the city are you know a well-documented phenomenon there's lots of explorers who go down there on a regular basis um so like the idea that these things just are there and nobody knows is is preposterous yes and no of course they know because it's a modern city above and it's growing down into it and now there's a nightclub um what's this whole scene oh go ahead uh, i'm sorry you were gonna ask go ahead what what is i'm i'm blanking on the term what's the what's the term for when white people move into a neighborhood gentrification Gentrification. i don't think, that, I don't think they're gentrifying the ancient tunnels <laughs> no <laughs> but they but are it, it is urban creep right it yes, is sprawl yes. uh creeping in there I, I think this commentary is compounded with where silly ends up on the yeah, surface okay. oh yeah <laughs> yeah there is that so while they're in this club i i hate every bit of this uh there is two things happen there's a phone app uh put on mark Wahlberg's phone so he can track them and talk to them in real time yes um there this gets really confusing because it's like in a nightclub and he says he can't hear them but later they're underwater and he's talking and they can hear each other so (laughs) like the the physics and reality of this ability to track and talk through this phone are totally ridiculous also the idea that him saying like the idea that they could ever hear him saying that he right. can't hear them <laughs> right yes like there just shouldn't club. be that conversation at all and i think this movie does that a lot where there's little things that are happening that nobody would know about or be able to communicate or anything and and it's just right. like it's for the audience it's not for the characters in the scene um but uh so they they have to pretend to be nightclub dancers because the scotsman comes down into mm-hmm. this club too because dun 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 up above joe braddock and her crew have seen sully wandering the streets 
um, trying to find where he's supposed to go. Uh, so they pretend to be dancers, which is supposed to like seed some little romance between Chloe and Nathan. And then Nathan has the brilliant idea to pour alcohol on the bar. Oh, I'm sorry. Behind the bar, they see a mosaic. And that mm-hmm. mosaic says Infernum in Latin, which is hell. Uh, so they're like, oh, hell must be this way. Uh, <laughs> hell the, hell the is, mo- a, is a nightclub. <laughs> the mosaic says so. You know that nightclub's name was Infernum. Like, absolutely, right? Like, it must have been. Um, but uh, so they pour alcohol all over the bar in front of the mosaic. And he's like, this will be a distraction. And he lights it on fire. Everyone in the club looks at the bar, <laughs> including the Scotsman. What were they distracting? <laughs> so they jump over the bar. They break into the mosaic. They put the key in. The Scotsman fights them a little bit. They get through the other side. They close the door behind them. Mm-hmm. Scotsman dealt with for the moment. Well, the, the door is automated because so they yes. put the cross in and it, you know, shunts the, the sliding stone door down. That's right. like a crawl space. Chloe crawls in. And Nathan Drake's doing stuff on the bar and fighting the Scotsman still and the other the other henchman. And then he does like a trick or he, you know, he does like a he he like clambers onto the bar and like swings around. He does like almost Jackie Chan style like yeah, stunts yeah. where he's doing a lot of like stuff with his hands and like lifting his legs up uh, and like I think I think the stunt work in this in this movie when it's realistic is is really good when it's done yeah, like by an actual right. stunt when person. it's live action it is quality yeah. actually yes but he he has to like leap he almost does like the weird like i don't know what you call it but like almost tiger leap where he like jumps <laughs> and then like grabs with his hands and then propels the rest of his body forward and he does that and he like goes across the bar and then like swings 90 degrees and like just dives into the uh receding stone door before mm-hmm. it closes up right uh, which is cool. I, re- yeah. I like. I really like the action. It's good. It, it is a f- decent action movie, and Tom Holland is a pretty good action star at this point in his career. Like he's he's doing some rad stuff. I like it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. So they're in there. They start looking around. They they find another keyhole. Turn it, and the fountain above them, which is where um, uh, Mark Wahlberg is, like turns off and reroutes all of its water into the room that they're in. So they start drowning, at which point they have to remind the audience the whole deal about trusting your fellow man. And while water is like up to their necks, they are yelling at Sully. Presumably that phone is somewhere down on a hip or in a pocket or something. (laughs) It's certainly not in a hand held above the water, but they're able to talk to him and keep asking him to deal with it. And he's like, I think... I'm supposed to go to this Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks into this Barcelona Papa John's that yes. is like built into this centuries old masonry, which is a thing that happens in these older I, European cities. I was so like offended by this. And then you sent me a picture that proves yes. this absolutely happens on McDonald's over Roman corpses. Yes. Uh, yes. Where you can look down through a glass floor and see them and you blew my mind. I was like, what uh-huh. the fuck? This is a thing. Shout, is- shout out to non-standard McDonald's for, for showing me that you too can look at centuries, thousands of years old Roman corpses while you have a big, your Mac. big Mac. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So plexiglass over a ancient mosaic on the wall. 
Mark Wahlberg is pretty sure he needs to put the key in there, but he can't break through. And that's when Joe Braddock walks up behind him with her gun. Um, <laughs> and her trusty gun. Actually, yeah. her her weapon of choice is like those curved yeah. daggers. I don't know what you call them. Do they those. have a name? Yeah, okay. I don't know either. It's just a dagger that this looks like an animal claw. It's like curved. Yeah. 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 Um, I was hoping you knew because you know the names I, I, of the weapons. You know, it's not a D&D weapon, so <laughs> I don't wow. know. It would just be a dagger in D&D. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But those cool, like, yeah, like totally probably impractical knives i feel like a longer knife would just be better than any kind of curved knife but um so she uh she and engages him in a you know like combat uh scene in the papa john's (laughs) they they fight and roll over tables and uh it is like a no holds barred like he's like hitting this woman pretty hard they didn't go like oh it's a man versus woman fight scene let's take it easy she's a fucking badass and they go full on yeah um the full-on fight uh he ends up getting her gun and uh oh because he like pretend he he, like drops the cross so she'll pick it up snags her gun from her shoots the plexiglass um which they wrestle around (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i guess they're really protective of this ancient mosaic i suppose so um but I think that weakens the glass enough that when they go through their fighting and there's a lot of tumbling back and forth, he manages to grab her and throw her through the plexiglass and break it and then turn the key just in time to save Tom Holland. But Chloe has drowned. So Tom Holland has to swim down, pull her up just like Sonic in Sonic two <laughs> saving <laughs> knuckles, uh, pull her up and, you know, like when somebody drowns, it's it's pretty bad and it like can yeah. really fuck up your body. She's fine. She's fine. Yeah. She she chokes <laughs> movie, up the water and yeah. Like on I mean, her she own. was she was only unconscious for like thirty seconds at the max. But like I'm not trying to like still any but, inhalation like, of water in your lungs is gonna fuck you up. I guess. Like, why did I mean, she like, pass out? She passed out from lack of oxygen, presumably, right? Sure. But she's not gonna get brain damage after. 30 no, seconds no, of... but like your lungs would be totally torn yeah. up like it'd, it'd be awful um but she's like immediately bounced back doesn't even have a raspy voice from coughing up all that water <laughs> like she's fine uh they are under and this is this is more of that like this is so stupid this doesn't make any sense they are directly under the papa john's under the courtyard outside the papa john's with the fountain looking at an ancient door another keyhole their key doesn't work and they ask sully to try to help figure it out i guess he's very confident he has like fully knocked out joe braddock for the next hour because he's not even worried about her now yeah he walks outside he goes to the fountain and he sees what he calls looks like a ladder, but the two keys sort of fuse together Mm -hmm. and realizes he's going to have to send his key down more bickering back and forth don't betray me don't betray me he so the, the stupidest thing about this is there's just like a, a street drain grate leading directly to this place <laughs> to this antechamber yeah under the papa john's like it someone would have figured this out right, right. somebody yes. would know this thing is there um and we I, I, we want to believe we live in a world where we know so much about the world we want to believe that there are still secrets yet to be discovered and and in some ways there are i like in rome for example it is a very common occurrence to like 
uh, to, to halt construction projects because while they are constructing, they uncover ancient ruins that they have to be like, whoops, can't, yeah. can't destroy these. Doesn't seem like Barcelona gave a shit about that in this movie, though. <laughs> they were just like, oh, it's there. Build on top of it. Don't look in it. Don't look, tell the, anyone. The, the last century and a half has not been kind to Spain. So Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so what is amazing is that there is a 2,000-year-old Roman storeroom under this Papa John's that Papa John's was destined to find Rome, I guess, <laughs> to to carry on Italian tradition. Papa John um, was right. His his day, they will, oh, there no. will be a reckoning. I will never agree with Papa John. <laughs> um, but they they put the keys together, open up the door, and there inside is ten foot tall clay vases. Yeah, um, just huge. Uh, maybe not ten feet, but very large. Um which are they come to find filled not with gold but salt so this whole journey has led to <laughs> giant clay vases filled with salt there White is gold. some yeah right there is some question about like what have they stored in here that they would pack it with salt it seems like it's just salt when she digs her hand in but lucky for them uh the just the act of disturbing this thousands of years never never opened i guess 500 years never opened but thousands of years been sitting here um roman vault is that the clay now gives way and not just the one vase that they are touching but as some kind of domino effect chain reaction every vase in the room just explodes and uh salt goes everywhere and in one of the vases is another map <gasps> a map bum, bum, bum. this map reveals the gold never got back to rome which or to barcelona, barcelona which means all of this was a ruse i mean it was for the map i guess but yeah yeah it's just another what an insane effort to get to another map <laughs> Like all of the different machines that they had to build and they yeah. built them to last 500 years. Potentially drowning people. Potentially drowning people, requiring someone to go into a Papa John's. I mean, what could be worse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so this entire thing was all to build up to that. Um, I do get a little fuzzy what happens right after this. Um, so this is one of the many uh, betrayals uh yes so they they discover like you said so the map will lead them to what seems to be an island in the philippines um and nathan drake is very excited and he turns around to tell chloe uh because now like you know he feels like he has a connection with chloe and he and, just saved her life surely right. she would trust him yes and he turns around and she is holding a gun to him and she's like give me the map and he's like, no, I don't want to give you the map. And she's like, give me the map. And he's like, no. And then he pistol whips him and knocks him out and takes yeah, the she, map. She pistol whips him, just to clarify. I think that came out a little weird. Yeah. Oh, yes. She pistol whips him, knocks him out, and takes the map and runs away. Assumedly, somewhere back through everything they just went through to avoid Sully. Yeah. Yeah. How does she get out? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's exactly what it is. Not only does, how does she get out? How does Sully get in? Because the next scene is Nathan Drake waking up from being knocked out 
and Sully is in the ancient underground Roman storeroom with him. Yeah. And you know, like steel cutters exist. You could just cut that drain open and go down and not deal with any of these traps along the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, had they known, obviously they didn't know, but, uh, yeah. How did yeah. that happen? The movie doesn't care to tell us. Um, she gets away. He gets him. They, you know, they kind of, uh, just commiserate over being betrayed. Meanwhile, we find out Braddock returns to Antonio Banderas and says, I failed to get the keys, but they have, uh, Chloe now has the map. So we need to go after her. And as soon as she says that Banderas is like, Oh, (laughs) I already know that Chloe, come on out. And she comes out and he says, I hired you both at the same time. I knew I was going to hedge my bets and one of you would, would succeed. Um, and uh and, chloe's and now, in charge now yeah and now it's time to hedge another bet because we barely talked about antonio Banderas and his father so just to briefly yes. say that they set up this father who is like the patriarch of the actual house of mancado <laughs> madonna <laughs> mancada <laughs> yes uh and uh the Antonio Banderas' father, who is this very old man, says, I'm going to give away the family fortune. I'm going to yeah, donate we, it to, to good causes. We got all this money, you know, on other people's blood, and we, yes. we can't. We don't deserve it. It's always someone when they're fucking old who's going to do that, right? Like, well, he's, he's trying to he's buy got, his way into heaven or yeah, something. Indulgencies, man. They're still popular. They're fucking assholes. <laughs> like, if you're going to d- have that, that, like, I want to give away my wealth do it when you're fucking young and it means something i mean it'll still mean something so still do it but (laughs) but also he says it's blood money but it's blood money of from centuries ago that's still fucked up though uh yeah i mean but like it's not like he's like donating it to i mean i guess they never really go into detail about it but it never seems like he's like yeah yeah it's not like paying reparations for like the descendants of the people he hurt or whatever yeah, it just... but if he still emptied it into charitable organizations it, even if it doesn't go directly to them that is still sort of a you know sure, releasing sure, sure. of this like constant wealth that has lasted spending more time on this needless side plot than i wanted to <laughs> it almost doesn't have to be in the movie right yeah yeah why it did doesn't... it have to why is it there no i don't know but Antonio banderas feels like there's this ticking clock because he needs the money you know he's a billionaire he needs the money that he already has to make more money you know right. it's the the plight the the tragic plight of the ultra wealthy and so he decides the best way to maintain his family fortune is to kill his father before he and, can give away the money yeah so he has joe braddock kill his father and now he is the head of the the family and he's like great now it's time to go to the philippines so yeah so they all uh they board this giant cargo plane uh they put his mercedes on the cargo plane he says it's his lucky charm he never like he always needs it but it seems so stupid it is purely for that shot of the mercedes coming out of the car yeah yeah i get that but it just seems it's so shoehorned um yes absolutely and yeah so antonio banderas is there joe brack's there chloe's there and then their goon squad yeah the scotsman and some other guys yeah and so they all board the plane and Antonio Banderas is giving this like heartfelt speech about how like he's you know finally uh, 
like getting what's his and reclaiming like their family legacy and blah, 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 blah. And they're like all sharing like this drink of some sort of like very old vintage wine. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Braddock just walks up behind him and just slices his Slip. throat and kills Antonio Banderas. So if so it I felt ha- like I have a theory about this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, fully unceremonious end to Antonio Banderas on this film, right? Like, surely if you get Antonio Banderas, you do more with Antonio Banderas than this movie did, and wouldn't you think? I do like that type of misdirection. Yeah. That said, I don't think I've ever seen it done. Well, that's not true, but it feels like it is always mostly done poorly when it's like I this, it was, like. Here's the actual villain, or like, here's the yeah. villain. Actually, it's this person, and they got killed. Yeah. And it's like, okay, why? Because she was already a villain. Yeah. So it's not like she was a double cross reveal. I yes. mean, it is more of the double crossing theme throughout the movie. Uh-huh. Um, but my theory is that apparently Antonio Banderas had to leave production because oh. of COVID 19. Oh. And I bet in some version of the script he was there throughout all of this next part of the movie that they hadn't filmed yet interesting and they were like oops can't have him better kill him off and then you know the next part will just not have him in it because he's dead it maybe i'm wrong maybe it was always part of the double crossing and it was just the plan but we know he had to leave that's documented so uh COVID-19 takes another, you know, great villain away from us. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so Joe Braddock is now the head of uh, the, the, the villain, the villainous group. Um, Chloe realizes without Antonio Baderas to shield her, um, or it, it, she, she's not in charge anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she's forfeit. Her life is forfeit. So she, kind of scampers away while uh, Antonio Banderas' death distracts everyone. Um, They then start a manhunt on the cargo plane for her. Meanwhile, the trunk of this classic Mercedes pops open and wouldn't you know, it's Nathan Drake. (laughs) Yeah, in in Sully. Um, and They They say something like, that's the worst 10 hours of my life or something, so they've been waiting for 10 hours inside this thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, so they clamber out and a bunch of people are kind of coming into the cargo hold because they're searching for Chloe. And I forget the sequence of events here. I mean, like it's, it's basically they, so they get the map, which almost feels like, I don't know why they needed it in this scene, but they get the map. Um, I, I mean, they do, they do justify it in the next scene. Uh, once they have the map, they start to leave and uh, they see, and, and this is something I totally missed, but the movie filled in for me enough later in reiterating. Uh, at some point, I guess, I don't know who, whether it was Sully or whether it was Chloe, somebody told Nathan that Joe Braddock killed his brother. Right. Yes. I don't remember when that came up. Or like I just missed it. But whatever the reason is, as they're going to leave and they're just about to throw on uh, parachutes and jump off this plane, Nathan stalls and directly confronts um, 
Joe Braddock and says, did you kill my brother? Um, and she doesn't even answer, which is yeah, I like, think she just shoots at him or something. Yeah. Which makes me feel like they're setting up in a future movie, the brother to come back or something. And maybe they don't want to declare that he's dead or oh, who killed not, him. I mean, they, they did set that up, Nick spoilers for the post credit scene. Yeah. So this is another thing. There are presumably two post credit scenes. Oh, I only saw one. <laughs> so I am missing some context on that, but we'll, we'll get to it when we, when you can tell us about it, uh, the post credit okay. scenes. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm assuming he's not dead from just that alone. And then, uh, at the very yeah. least she didn't kill him or, or whatever. So they she never show answer. a corpse. Right. Not exactly. Dead. Yeah. Oh, I do remember the other post shit. I'm an idiot. I remember now. Well, I, there as, are two. As long, there are two scenes, but I as, as long as we both know, yeah, we both know, and and the audience <laughs> knows too now. Um, so, uh, she starts shooting. He hits something that makes all of the cargo start releasing, yeah. which like takes out several of her her goons, mm-hmm. and uh, is back to that opening scene of the yeah. the movie where he is caught by the strap of one of these cargo things he gets yanked out passes out and we cut away from him presumably just before he passes out to find chloe sneaking through the same cargo plane and she sees all of this happening gets into a sort of back and forth shootout with uh, joe braddock and her goons as well and in order to escape jumps into the mercedes bends down using her hands hits the gas and uh starts to drive it off the um uh, off the uh off the plane off the plane with the intent not to parachute but to reach one of the cargo uh boxes cargo crates which itself has a parachute on it um and that's when she hits nathan who has just climbed up from the intro scene uh mm-hmm. to here gets nailed by the car manages to somehow dive down and i I love this idea. I know that when you are skydiving, you can, there is an amount of control, right? You narrow your body, you widen your body, whatever. Yeah. But that presumably Nathan Drake has never done skydiving before is free falling to his death after being hit by a car and still has the amount of control necessary to dive down, grapple the car, like effectively Spider-Man all around it and, uh, and get a, have a screaming conversation with, chloe but while they're doing this she does get him to the the cargo crate they both jump out of the car and dive to it and uh activate the parachute and ride that down at like the last second where it crashes into the water yeah which i feel like if it didn't like rip their limbs off by holding (laughs) on to this crate when the parachute deploys would not cause like massive concussions or bodily trauma i don't think it's gonna feel good smashes into the harsh bracing water with all the surface tension and then laying on the yeah. top of it. Yeah. I think it would throw him would have thrown him off at the very least, right? Like that sure. kinetic energy would have launched through. I don't know. I don't know the physics on this. Well, I mean, if you're like, I haven't run the trials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my simulator isn't built for this. I need to test it with these 12 and or 18 people. <laughs> um, but they, uh, they're floating out there on the water. They see an island. They presumably swim to the island. 
Oh, and God, that's I where about this part. Everybody's favorite cameo in the whole movie is going to be who's here on the beach, Dylan. Why it's uh, the voice actor of Nathan Drake himself, Nolan North. And he and, says, what happened to you guys? Yeah. And, and yeah, but like they have walked on the beach and it's like a it's a resort hotel with yeah. all these people lounging on the beach. And they're like, oh, we just drove a car off a plane and and rode like some cargo down and crashed into the water. And he's like, huh, something similar happened to me once. And it's like, no, you did not earn this. Shut up. <laughs> I think it's fine. I think it's as fine as everything else in this movie. It's it's a cute little whatever. Like the act, the voice actor deserves to have a cameo, right? Like I think oh, every sure, yeah, like everyone can agree with that. And they didn't even try to like do something clever with it. They were just like, "Yep, he's there." Yeah, like, and also me. Yeah. Um. So they they get out of here. They end up like booking a room somewhere, and together nathan and chloe break out all of his postcards which he still has he dropped out of a plane (laughs) unexpectedly but still has all of his postcards yeah 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 soaking wet (laughs) walks out of the ocean not like is he wearing a backpack in that scene i don't know maybe probably honestly because he's got no the map he pulls too. him he like pulls him out of his back pocket i'm pretty sure yeah at least he does in the in a previous scene so i assume and they, he did the they same are there never not on his in his fucking pocket and like stack of postcards <laughs> <laughs> um but they lay out all the postcards and then we get a montage of puzzle solving which is completely unsatisfactory to me uh because you expected some kind of web of information to form between these postcards, right? Like, Oh, the pictures line up or if not the pictures, just the words, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it was that it ended up being something like that, but they like draw it out too much where they're like, okay, write this down. And they're like putting words together from different things. And like, he spelled this wrong. And, um, it ends up just being a message that the keys are the compass. Yes, which he discovers from like a a hidden message in one of the postcards because uh, like when they were kids, when Sam left, he left him a message, which when he held the lighter, which he's still having trouble light because it's a really old lighter, yes. like get some, get a new flint or something for that thing. Yeah, um, just re- repair it. Yeah. Yeah. He holds a flame behind behind the paper and it reveals a new message through like invisible ink or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's, it says the keys are the compass and so but it's he, not like all of the postcards led to this it was just like that no, one it was just is the, the one key. yeah yeah and so he takes the crosses and puts them on their sides and like does this weird like protractor thing and like points them at this one point on the island that they're on and which is completely like on a different side of the island than where uh the first map was telling them to go and so, so uh, I, I i mean i think it's like not just on an island, like not just on a different side of the island. It's like a different part of the country, right, or whatever. Like the no, whole map. This the whole map is one island of the is Philippines. It? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's like one single island in the Philippines, and like the original map said, the treasure was on the west coast, and this one is like somewhere on the on the northern coast. Okay. Okay. I didn't catch um, that. And so he's like, "Great, we found it," and uses his weird find my iphone app that they've been using (laughs) for the entire movie to uh um to like pinpoint the actual coordinates and he writes them down on a piece of paper and he's excited to show chloe but chloe's always already passed out so he goes to sleep chloe wakes up before him 
she looks at all the results that he's done finds the piece of paper with the coordinates and she's like great and then wouldn't you know it it's a double it's another double cross oh chloe and so she leaves and uh like charters like a speedboat and goes to the coordinates written down and then when nathan drake wakes up he realizes chloe isn't there he gets kind of upset until he pulls out like a wine bottle or something they drank the night before and fishes out a rolled up piece of paper in there and is like these are the real coordinates it's so like He's only talking to the audience because why would he say this? He's like, oh, Chloe, I can't believe you you would uh, leave without me. Too bad you're going to the wrong coordinates. <laughs> like, he says all of this, like, out loud. It's so, like, uh, no one would do that. No one would sit mm. and have that conversation with themselves. We should you're- also say that Sully is not here right now because he yes. bailed out of the plane with yes. one of the parachutes. Um and he is i guess well, he was trying to get nathan to go with him yeah so it wasn't necessarily a leaving him behind situation as much as it was he was like let's go and that's when nathan was like i'm gonna stand and confront joe braddock right um so this time at least it wasn't that but yeah yes the the gap is narrowing now it's not full abandonment it's just like okay (laughs) if you're gonna be stubborn i'm gonna go yeah i'm still gonna look out for me yeah which is more fair so nathan goes also charters a speedboat and he goes to the part of the island where he knows the treasure is and as he's doing this joe braddock and her team have uh come to the beachhead that the map originally told them to go and she just looks out in the water and sees him drive it's by. so shitty it's like oh okay well that i guess they needed to get up with this at some point so yeah, yeah. so she's like all right i guess we're gonna follow him instead and uh he comes to this cove there's like a marker of like this this rock jutting out of the water um that's drawn on the map and so he goes into this this cove and sitting inside uh are the two ships from the magellan expedition just run aground yeah just like fully easily accessible yep. with a giant, giant opening in the cave roof above where like plants are growing down through and you know endless rainwater would have come in. These ships, uh, so there's a funny thing here on like the goofs on IMDb. Instantly I thought like, oh my God, those ships would not be in this good of shape. But even more so, historically, factually, the specific ships that Magellan did take on his journey were known to uh dilapidate and and collapse in use like they didn't even (laughs) make it to the point of becoming like wrecks that you know faded away you would just suddenly be like oh this is falling apart let's leave it and go get another ship like they were that shitty and yet in this they're fully like the wood is pristine everything is solid it is it is incredible uh the the leap that we have to take like even goonies did the pirate ship that was locked in a cave that was fully sealed and that was pushing credibility but it was fucking goonies so it was fine this is too far mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a bit much but um this is pretty much just the final act of uncharted 4 it's nathan drake finds a pirate ship in a oh really yeah in a cove and or it's not a pirate ship it's i think it's sir francis drake ship but mm. um and uh the the final action scene that happens in this movie 
does not happen in the game. Um, but so Nathan Drake boards the ship, clambers up. He does. This is interesting because when he's doing his like parkour clambering up the side of the ship, it's basically like he is doing the motions that Nathan Drake would do in oh, the game. Yeah. He's like pulling himself up and then like scrunching and being really tiny. Climbing and like, like he would do. Yeah. yeah. It's just like he's he's pantomiming those same animations, which is right on. Interesting, interesting uh call out. Um uh or tribute. And so he gets inside and he's looking around. Uh and wouldn't you know it, who else is here? Why it's Sully. Enter stage left. Um, yeah. who is still tracking him through his, his phone seem- app seemingly fully waterproof indestructible phone yes uh and they're like there's Sully's like where's the treasure and he's like it's right here and he opens up one of the barrels and inside the barrel is spice it is uh like pepper peppercorn or something or cloves it's cloves um because he smells it and he's like cloves so those are cloves and he's like the here it is here's the gold he's like what and i i was expecting the movie to be like it was metaphorical gold yeah there's no gold what they even say he's like oh that was about worth as much as gold back then yeah like they were leading they were they're kind of pulling people by the nose to that conclusion so i was like okay i kind of like that but no the the spice barrels have false tops and he pulls it off and there's just a bunch of gold which the gold looks fake as shit so i thought that was also a misdirection where it was like it was gonna be like fool's gold or something it's too pristine and that's yeah. what makes it look fake. It looks perfect, right? Like it looks yeah. like it like, hasn't had any aging dinge on it yes. in any way. Or like yeah. also perfectly cast. It's like, you know, candelabras or and all this other mm-hmm. random uh shit. Well, I mean, it's like yeah, it's like there's like a dragon head of at some point in there like it's presumably relics of the Philippines of 500 mm-hmm. years ago that they killed a lot of people for probably yeah, yeah. stolen treasure. <laughs> yeah. Um, from, from conquest and pillaging. So they're excited that they have all this treasure now. And then they hear a noise outside and it's the Braddock team. Uh, they have brought their boats and have, uh, beached on the beachhead where the ships are. And they're like, finally we found them and they, uh, a Drake and Sully hide in like a smuggling hold mm-hmm. uh, in the ship. So they're not found. And uh, <laughs> Joe Braddock. That's when so- the most ridiculous thing in the world happens. <laughs> well, before that happens, Joe Braddock says what might be the funniest part of this movie where she goes, look for Drake and Sullivan. They're probably around. Um, but do not shoot at them because if you put holes in my boats, I will put holes in you. Yeah. She's like, these boats are worth bil- billions on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the, yeah, the historical value of the boats. And so then they get these cargo lifting helicopters to yeah. come over the forest canopy where these boats are and they wrap netting around the ships themselves and airlift the boats. It's so fucking insane that they would think this is smart. Like, the wildest idea of if she's concerned about the safety of the boats would be to naturally assume we need to get someone in here, have them examine the hull integrity, you right. know, make sure this framework is going to hold together before we do this. This is a multi-day, multi-week project to extract mm-hmm. these boats. 
They're like, nope, 20 minutes. Get your shovels, dig them out, net them up, lift them out the top of this fucking cave. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. Net them up, dig them out. Net them up, move them out. <laughs> lift them up, chop them Old out. Boat. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's everyone knows it. Yeah. Um, um, but Nick, the thing is, like when you're a Black Ops team that is illegally in country to smuggle yeah. out treasure you can't yeah, have this is not their first airlifted pirate ship i'll yeah yeah <laughs> not my first airship yeah. rodeo yeah <laughs> and it does become well it comes to airship derby i guess because <laughs> they they pull out these two boats on two like you know twin bladed helicopter cargo copters and once they have them up in the air drake and sully uh break out of the the cargo hold they pick up a sword and a dagger and they go on deck and start throwing people to their death um overboard that's um, also pretty game accurate because the running oh, yeah. joke with nathan drake is that he is the uh world's history's worst mass murderer because of all the oh. bad guys he has killed throughout nice. all the games um uh, but yeah there's like a part where they throw a guy off of one of the ships as the ship passes by like a giant rock that's jutting out of the water and you just hear this boning this bone crunch honestly (laughs) it's and the way that guy so that's that's at some point where the ship um you know they're 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 swinging through all these rocks and sully is so sully at some point takes over the helicopter and he's controlling it yeah and he has to lift the ship very suddenly because they've come around a rock and they're about to crash directly into the other ship. And so in order to, to avoid it, he goes over it. And then because he's having fun piloting, I don't know why he would do this, but he, he like dips immediately after he goes over it. The way this is edited is very poor. Cause it looks like the way he lifts up makes Drake and this other guy lift up out of the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be their downward action that makes them lift into the air. Yep, like yep, like when yep. an elevator goes down and your stomach rises, like it would be totally not the sequence that this plays out in. It's like while they're going up, they get lifted off their feet. And then when it's going down, uh, Drake lands on the deck and manages to like grab hold of something and hang on. The other guy falls off. The ship hits the water. That's what it is. The ship hits the water and that's like launches him. And he's like positioned in such a way so that he's like head towards the back of the ship but towards the front and it's racing through the water at this insanely high speed and he hits this rock and the the, the crunch is like he got crunched by the butt (laughs) it's so just you hate to see it you hate to be uh, crunched by the butt i kind of loved it (laughs) i I think this is my favorite moment I think the scene is stupid, but also yes. really fun. Like it's like it's like an over the top action scene. Yes, but it's like they're having fun with it, and I yeah. can I can I can. I think it could have been edited better. Like I think it, it missed some beats on editing and yeah. like lost the storytelling it wanted to do. But it was fun. It was fun. It's a fun to just see two ships swinging through the air, no matter yeah. how preposterous. Yeah, and it is very very preposterous. Um, there's also the same that same guy before he gets his butt crunched. Um, <laughs> they they do a really bad i don't know if it looks like cg because they genuinely cg'd his whole body or if they like cg painted part of him or something but he leaps from one boat to the other but i like just like flat-footed hopping Mm -hmm. and 
it's both physically impossible like you would never have the strength to make that jump flat-footed in that distance and everything but it just it looks so goofy when he lands like it doesn't have it's supposed to be this big intimidating like like a hulk jump right yeah yeah but but he just looks dumb and then he ends up getting butt crunched so (laughs) that's that guy's whole story (laughs) yeah look dumb Um, got butt crunched i forget if it's that that character or someone else there's one where drake is in a shootout with on the ship um and i think it's right before they do that their little anti-gravity sequence that yeah. throw them up over the other ship um but that guy falls off and he was wearing a uh gun holster like the double gun oh, yeah. holster and nathan drake picks it up and dons it and now he's fully in his classic mm-hmm. nathan drake Costume. attire with yeah. like tan shirt with the half tuck there's a scene before they start their final excursion this final act where he's back in the hotel room and he has that stupid half tuck in his <laughs> shirt it's like oh he woke up and then purposely half tucked the fucking shirt he's a um, busy guy he's got a lot of gold to steal i suppose so but so he has that he has the gun holster he has the the ring on the on the necklace um fully fully nathan drake now at this point because i like how at no point in this movie until coming up on the very end here do they ever consider who that gold should belong to <laughs> they're they're like it's five billion dollars worth of gold we'll be rich who's gonna split it well you get 10 percent. Blah, blah 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 they never at any point go you know that gold was stolen 500 years ago and should probably go back to the people who they're soldiers know, of fortune, Nick. They don't care I, about stuff like that. Awful people is what we're saying. Yeah. It doesn't belong <laughs> in a museum. It belongs in my pocket. <laughs> right. Um so yeah, so they're having all this stuff. There there's one so so going back where Joe Braddock was like, Don't shoot my boat. The first thing they do when they see Nathan Drake is immediately open up on him yes. and just start putting holes in this boat. And then the Scotsman who is piloting the other chopper is just using his ship, his flying as a wrecking ship, ball. as like a wrecking ball on <laughs> the ship yeah. that, that Sully is piloting. And that ship, the both of these ships are carrying all the fucking gold too. So yeah. if you do succeed at wrecking the other ship this way you're going to fuck up everything like you're just going to dump all the gold in the ocean it's so it's ridiculous so yeah. the 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 second to last culmination here is um i think the sully is having problems controlling the ship anymore cuz i think the 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 cage that's holding it is like detaching from the the chopper and then the Scotsman takes this as an opportunity to like do one full final ram, which again is counter to what they want because yes. they want the ship it to stay will intact. Fuck up the boat, yeah. yeah, and starts charging full speed ahead perpendicularly to mm-hmm. the ship that Drake and Sully are on, and uh, Drake through like clambering through the the cargo hold in the ship realizes that there's gunpowder down there, and mm-hmm. he takes like a little like blackjack looking thing of gunpowder in a spare cannonball on the deck and loads it into a cannon this centuries old cannon and then yeah. takes a bit of rope that's like still there and rips it off and uses it to make a makeshift uh fuse mm-hmm. and takes his his trusty lighter 
his trusty lighter that he's had this lighter that has hasn't more worked <laughs> character development in this movie than most other characters that hasn't worked through most of the movie and it finally lights and he lights the fuse and the fuse goes down and putters out before it ignites the gunpowder and he's like ah shit and the scotsman's like haha i got you because i have telescopic vision and yes, can see you there's doing so many this. times in this where people are seeing things from such insane distances that is absolutely one of them. the other one is when when the, before they like revealed that they had stolen the other sh- uh, the other helicopter joe is on the other ship and she's using a spyglass it's like a modern one but it's so mm-hmm. clearly meant to invoke like old piratey time spyglasses and and she zooms in on uh sully taking over the helicopter and he turns and looks at her and says hi joe <laughs> like how would he know she was looking at him how would how would she hear him it, it's fucking insane it makes me angry but go, i'm sorry go back scotsman staring him down yeah staring him down. he can see that the fucking cannon didn't go off yeah and then it ignites the last second ignites the gunpowder uh shoots the cannonball out of out of the cannon and then the scots was like oh or something like that yeah something scottish happens yes (laughs) and the cannonball hits the chapter and blows up one of the rotors and it falls out of the sky and just obliterates the boat (laughs) like the boat like cleaves in two i think yeah yes it destroys that one um i if i were shooting this there's no way or if i was editing it or something you know creating any of the storyboards for this shot there's no way I wouldn't do like wide shot, see the cannonball hit mm, and hit arc. into the cockpit. Like you don't sure. want gore in this. You don't want to see like that dude get ripped apart, but just like you would have a further, a distance shot and then it hits the cockpit and then it starts spinning out. Um, instead, they opted for zoom to inside the cannon so you can watch the embers fall on the gunpowder and launch the cannonball and then like blink and it's at the rotors and the Mm -hmm. rotors exploding you never saw the cannonball hit you just saw the damage it caused it was really like it felt so off to me like how it communicated what was happening there sure well Um, like it was obvious what was happening but it wasn't visually interesting that's the problem right it's like a Again, if you go into this conversation about editing and like yes, storytelling yeah. and having a conversation with the viewer, I feel like a lot of movies are just like, well, you know what happens. Like, you get it. Yeah, it, it's exactly that. Yeah. Um, um, but, Nick, if you want a better, if you want a movie that better sells this exact kind of uh, uh, plot point, may I recommend the movie Sahara based off the Clive Cussler book, which stars... Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Steve Zahn, where they find a uh, a run aground uh, Confederate uh, uh, ironclad ship in the oh, Sahara wow. Desert that they wow. then load with a cannonball and shoot at a helicopter wow. that is holding an African warlord, and the cannonball goes into the cockpit. It lands. And they're like, ha, it's just a cannonball. It can't do anything because it just lands in the cockpit. Um, and then they realize that it's a cannonball that has its own fuse. Hey, like, it explodes yeah, inside. It's an explosive. Yeah. And they like freak cartoon out. cartoon bomb. And then it blows up. Wow. Yep. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it all before. Um, incredible. 
so while her ship is going down, Joe Braddock jumps off of that ship onto the Sully slash uh, Drake ship um, and says, if I, if I am not winning, everybody loses. And she drops the anchor on their ship. I know anchor chains are very long, but oh, this yeah. seems to strain credulity as well when you have the ship way up in the air and that chain makes it all the way into the water and deep enough to hook onto something but it catches the ship now they're stuck um the helicopter is pulling away from the ships the ship's definitely going to drop sully puts the helicopter on autopilot because the pulling has tipped the helicopter enough that his bag of gold that he took for himself from the ship is about to slip off he manages to get that, but sees Drake trying to climb up, can't reach, and uh, Joe Braddock behind him about to stab him with her weird curved claw knife. And and he says, please, you got to help me, please. And Sully, for way too long, like looks at his gold, <laughs> looks at Nathan, looks at his gold, looks at Nathan, and is like, ah, all right, hey, Joe, and throws his bag of gold at her again another shot it's weird i feel like the stunt stuff kind of falls apart at this end scene that should have like conked her on the head and like knocked her the fuck out right like i feel like it should have been a heavy hit it kind of drops on her and she like lets go before it even gets to her because she's trying to avoid it and she falls off the ship into the water below he gives up his gold he saves nathan drake they drop the ship the ship then does fall on joe braddock assuredly crushing her to death oh yeah um which is like that's a good second beat on that but i feel like the gold should have hit her too uh or hit her harder um they fly off um the ship the, the the editor or somebody forgets distance and space and time and how it's all relative because they have a very long conversation where Nathan real, uh, reveals that he has also pocketed some gold. It's not a total loss. Mm-hmm. Um, they also discuss the fact that they can't go diving for the gold because uh, it belongs to the Philippines now. Look, they're going to get it. And they yeah. point and there's another ship coming in, presumably rushing Navy. forward to come start <laughs> taking this gold. Yeah. Um, Eminent then, domain, motherfuckers. Yeah. But um, but then we get a, a long shot away from the helicopter as it like flies into the sunset and from like where it is is at at the start of this shot straight down is their ship sinking as if they did not advance any distance during that conversation as if they were like hovering over the mast of the sinking ship and then started zooming forward like naturally they would have been already much further down the ocean i mean or down can, the coast. can can helicopters not hover i feel like they that's... can but they were moving forward in their like in the cockpit shots they weren't ah, just I sitting see, there they were yes. flying but the the next shot forgot that they had moved and was just like oh they're right here still um it's just a lack of like forethought or consideration for these things because nobody cared at that point i think in post-production they were like just put the finishing shots on doesn't matter um we also see a shot of Nadine still in her rented speedboat now chasing after yes. Drake and Sully in their helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you boys. And I was like, oh, yeah, they just completely abandoned this character for like the final act of this movie. Yeah. I'll get you next time, Gadget. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
So she's definitely meant to come back in a future movie. Um, will you roll us through the post credits here? Sure. So one of them is uh, starts off in like I was assuming this was a, a Filipino prison because I I don't remember if I remember the facts entirely, but I could have sworn that Sam was shot while in the Philippines, maybe somewhere else. But uh, gotcha. it is a kind of panning shot going through the cells of this prison the first cell we stop on is a man like spitting as he's like hanging out in the 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 cell window i'm pretty sure that's uh troy baker who voices sam drake in the uh in the games um and then it goes to the next cell the next cell someone sitting at the far back of the cell crouched over a piece of paper you know long scraggly hair and they're writing a note and they're like, I don't even know if you'll get these, you know, signed S, which is how Sam signs all of his postcards to didn't Nathan it, Drake. Didn't it say, I'm not sure if you're getting these, but you need to watch your back or something like that. Oh, yeah. 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 Like a danger is coming for you kind of message. Right. Which, um, yeah, he's probably not getting these because I don't think this prison is necessarily honoring that. You don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Look, we're going to imprison you for an undetermined amount of time outside your home country but we'll send the mail for you it's no biggie (laughs) and then the second one the second post-credit scene is nathan drake talking to the guy that plays the fucking uh 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 uh, shit I'm blanking oh, no. all the Game of Thrones characters. The one Oh, he was the Game of Thrones guy? He was he was that uh he was Theon's uncle. Who is okay. that character's name? The uh, one of the Greyjoys. Oh my god, now I can't remember, but I didn't realize that was him. I know who yes. who I could visualize yes. who you're talking the about. The actor he was the actor that played Euron Greyjoy. Yeah. And he's sitting in like uh what seems to be a Latin American like cantina talking to Nathan Drake and Nathan is trying to trade his Sir Francis Drake ring for a map that this guy has and they do the exchange is he trading the ring because it almost seemed like no he is yeah okay 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 yeah because you're on Greyjoy's boss is interested in the ring okay and they won't tell each other why they're interested in the other item yeah but Nathan Drake gets the map and then uh everyone else all the other patrons in this cantina stand up and point guns at nathan drake because they all work for uh Greyjoy. and then when they do that there's another gun that clicks and points at them and you hear from off camera is like sorry i'm late kid or something like that and it's sully and nathan drake turns around and just cracks a smile and he's like what what are you wearing and we see sully and he's in this classic you know big tom Selleck mustache wearing a hawaiian shirt uh pointing a gun at the at the at the bad guys and it's then a he a cu- also- couple more years of puberty you'll you'll be able to grow one too and about the mustache yeah yeah, which- yeah and then he also has uh, his faithful sidekick mr whiskers right with him why would you bring your cat to a potential shootout? Yeah, exactly. You fucking monster. Right. Um, so the thing that cracks me up about this is he is he is pointing one gun at a random shooter 
and there are like 10 of them in this room and the next like cut uh, like the reverse shot cut is all of the other shooters have put their guns down and their hands are up (laughs) like this one guy has terrified a room full of criminals willing to shoot he's got us he's got one gun (laughs) um nathan gets the ring back gets the the whatever the nazi papers are um they get outside uh having thwarted this situation and then they go oh shit because they see someone who we don't get to see Mm -hmm. it is just their reaction shots because whoever that person is probably hasn't been contracted for the next movie yet (laughs) (laughs) so it's probably not chloe right it's probably it's got to be some other character Yeah. yeah So it's probably, if I were to guess, it's probably either Nadine, who is like another character um, that kind of fits a similar role as Chloe. Um, I think she more often plays an antagonist, if I'm remembering correctly. Or it's Elena, who becomes Nathan Drake's wife Hmm. later. Um, But they have kind of like a back and forth on and off kind of thing but i'm curious it has a very sunday in end of sundance in butch cassidy uh vibe to it where it's like it feels like i was imagining like if we were to see the other end of the camera it was just going to be like a squadron of soldiers all aiming guns yeah at them. yeah um but no it's definitely like a specific person it's gotta be is what yeah. they intend anyway how much it will matter once they actually finalize a script for a sequel, if they get a sequel and they contract the whatever actor they put in that role, who knows? Um, well, well these things the thing. often don't follow up with their credit scene. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Nick. This movie had a hundred twenty million dollar budget and made uh, almost four hundred million in the box office, and it was apparently the fourth highest grossing film of this year so far. Yuck. <laughs> so uh i feel uh, pretty confident that this is this is gonna get a i don't want these movies to do well <laughs> i take i take back every good thing i've said about this it's not fine gosh it's just tell me you don't want to do the podcast anymore <laughs> i want to complete the podcast <laughs> i don't want to give up early i want it to finish naturally when the world realizes that there are no good video game movies uh, I think we're um, ways away from that. Maybe, maybe this, <laughs> maybe the Super Mario Brothers movie will make them realize. We'll really like tank the genre right. entirely, or, the, or be it'll too do, gun shy, or it'll be super successful and they'll That's dig their likely, heels in. Unfortunately, I feel like we're in that era where you can make anything, and you know, if you've got the right platforms for it, it'll it'll do well. Yeah, <sighs> we love movies here at the Attract Mode Podcast, and we love oh, them boy, so much we. that. <laughs> And we're going to watch another one. What are we going to watch next time, Dylan? Well, let me tell you. So <laughs> we keep, I know we talked about that Night Warriors or that Dark, uh, we talked about that Dark Stalkers <laughs> film a little while oh, okay. ago. We still haven't gotten back to that um, uh, because Sonic and Uncharted butted heads. Um, so next time, we're still not going to watch that. Instead, <laughs> We are going to watch this uh, Super Mario Brothers anime movie from the 1980s. Uh, So recently, uh, there has been a, or, you know, 
a Super Mario Brothers anime was released back in the 1980s. Um, I think it had like a limited U.S. release. I'm not sure on the specifics, but recently some uh, some fans uh, went out and found an original kind of uh, film reel or something of it, and they uh, did high res scans and uh create a a 4k version of said movie and publish it online you can find it on youtube you probably just search for it um and there is uh, a dub for it so you can have it with english dubs um or w- it has it has subtitles so you can watch it with english uh subs um so that's what we're gonna watch next uh super mario brothers colon the great mission to rescue princess peach i know you're excited nick it's wild. It's really wild. This comes from a 16 millimeter reduction print likely used for small local screenings and is likely one of, if not the only surviving print in the world. Thanks for saving that piece of art so that I would be forced to do another <laughs> podcast episode. Ah! <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Ah!